Funny Books with Aaron and Polly. I'm Aaron. And I'm Polly. It's just Polly and I this week. It is. Very sad. Very sad about that. I it have is. to talk to you. I know. I know. It's very, it's very disconcerting. Uh, uh, Wayne is off uh, taking care of some family business today, and God only knows where Jonathan is. If it's this early in the morning, more than likely he's at the breakfast buffet at the strip club. Well, you know, I was thinking that he was probably up late last night snorting lines of coke off of, you know, strippers' chests and whatnot. So, yeah, I think you're probably right. He's at the legs and eggs breakfast at the Honey Hole. Man, he has a better life than we do. (laughs) (laughs) Jonathan, call me. Where do you live? (laughs) Yeah, we want to come. Come on, invite us. (laughs) He knows all the cool strippers. Well, this week, I actually got a... Box O Comics um, from mycomicshop.com. Oh yeah, what'd you get? Well, you know, I I, I kind of cleared out my collection a little bit, and I traded in a bunch of comics, and they gave me three hundred dollars in store credit. Right. So I used well, they gave me two hundred and sixty-eight dollars in store credit. So I used up two hundred and sixty-seven dollars of that store credit, and spent a little <laughs> bit more. No, no, I I, 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 I kept it right under. Okay. Uh, unintentionally, I just got everything I thought I needed. Of course, mm-hmm. now I'm looking. Now I find holes in the collection. Yeah. Uh, but if you've been keeping an eye on the site, or if anybody's been keeping an eye on the site, I've been talking about my love of Extreme Studios and Rob Liefeld books and stuff from back in the early '90s. Yeah, we need to get you some counseling for that. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So I have a long box full of that stuff now, um, and it's it's literally like almost. Every Extreme Studios book from back in that time, all the way through the Alan Moore days. And yeah, it, it's a big ass box of Brigade and Bloodstrike and Young Blood and, you know, Chapel and Crypt and Extreme Sacrifice and just all sorts of awesomeness. Um, but I also picked up some hardcovers because I had some extra dough. I picked up. The first two hardcovers of the current Cable series by Dwayne uh, Swerzynski. Um, the first three uh, hardcovers of this current X-Force series. Um, and I also picked up Spider-Man Maximum Carnage. Uh, yeah, yeah. Good book. <laughs> I dug it. Yeah, no, I did too. It's a guilty pleasure. It really is. Uh, it, yeah. it, it's it, I, it's a great it's great and um actually to to supplement that I picked up the original Carnage trade paperback that collects that first run by David Michelin and Mark Bagley that introduced the character. I guess it's because Wayne's always talking about Carnage. It just kind of put me in the mood for some Carnage stuff. <laughs> well, I got a question for you. You know, you went to mycomicshop.com. You know, that's that's a site where you can tell them the books you've got. You know, they'll they'll get make you an offer on them. What uh how did how do they match up in terms of how you rated the book versus how they rate the book? You know, like fine versus very fine, uh, you know, that kind of thing. How, how, how did that work? Describe the process for me, if you will. Well, basically, they have a couple of different ways of doing it. You can make them an offer on a collection, or you can give, describe your collection and they'll make you an offer on it. Mm-hmm. Or you can do this trade um, aspect, which is actually like um, – you know, you list each comic, you look it up, and they'll show you the price at the different, you know, uh, grades. Mm-hmm. And they'll have a highlighted grade with, with, with what they think your book probably is. Uh-huh. And um, for the most part, I chose that unless I knew it was a great lower. And um, out of, I would say, I sent maybe 200 books, maybe more than that. About 200 books, I think. Um, out of 200 comic books, I think only three after they got it. Did they say it was a great lower than what I sent it as? Yeah. The only thing is um, they have a limited they, – they, they give a limited reimbursement on the um, shipping fees. So when you're sending 200 comics and it costs $40 for shipping, they only gave me, I think, $6 for shipping, um, which sucks. But at the same time, basically I paid 34 bucks for 200 comics mm-hmm. and you know a couple of hardbacks. So, I mean, it, it, it really ended up being a good deal. I didn't end up cleaning out my collection at all because all I did is replace them with even crappier books than I sold out. <laughs> right. It's like, I will give you my copy of Hulk number one if you'll give me a copy of Brigade number zero with the chromium yeah. cover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, they were, they were probably just, you know, 
happier than a pig in crap because, hey, look, this guy's selling us some pretty good books and he's buying all this crap. <laughs> yeah, I will say the trade paperbacks, of course, you know, ended up, they, they were a little cheaper than normal price. Not a single extreme book that I bought cost more than 98 cents. Every single one was 98 cents, if that tells you anything. Yeah, you can't go to college, you can't uh, save up for college on comic books anymore. <laughs> no, the market ain't what it used to be. So uh, you were able to uh, apply your store credit to anything within their online store. You you weren't just limited to you know the back issue books. That's correct. Um, nice. I, I, you know you could do it on anything. Um, if you go over fifty dollars, it's free shipping. Oh, that's cool. So you know, it, it, like I said, it was about two hundred and sixty-five something dollars like that, and free shipping. So I literally paid you know, like I said, just the amount to ship my comics to them. Well, and you probably made that back in the fact that they didn't charge you for the shipping of what they sent you, or you made a piece of it back anyway. Exactly. And, you know, I got some great stuff out of it. I mean, I got a bunch of shit, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but I got some great hardbacks, and I actually started reading that X-Force book last night. Um, I was up till the wee hours reading that. So, you know, I, and, you know, it, it helps me catch up on my my X-Men stuff nowadays, so. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm happy with the transaction. Uh, no complaints. I've seen their website, and I, I have never uh, done that with them before. But I've looked at it really hard, and it just there. Tell me if I'm if I'm wrong. Did it, did it feel like it took you a long time to go through and and address each single issue that you were working on? You know, it depends. Um, a lot of the stuff I was selling was in the same run. Uh -huh. um, so let's say I sold. An entire, you know, like 12 issues in a row of a certain book. Um, you know, it's all on the same page. So, you know, just like when you're searching, it's all on the same page. Right. You know, the run. So you can just do it that way. Um, I mean, it's, it's a little time consuming, but I mean, if you're looking for new comics, you know, it's a good deal. And, uh, you know, at certain times they do offer cash when I did it, uh, which was right before the new year. Um, they were only doing, they were only offering for, uh, store credit. Right. Now, I, I will say you will probably get double in store credit that you will in cash. Right. So that's something to keep in mind. And I, it's and I think like, that's pretty much true with most with most places that buy stuff back is that they're much more more generous with the credit than they are with the uh, the actual cash dollars. Exactly. It's like electronics boutique. You know, it's yeah. or they're not electronics boutique anymore. GameStop. You know, because uh, you can trade in your PS2 for uh, five dollars in store credit or two fifty in cash. You know, that exactly. system that you pay three hundred dollars for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with that. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, it's, it sounds like you got a pretty, pretty decent deal there. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy with it. And you know, my read pile is now a long box worth of stuff. So you know, if it's a slow week or in between weeks, because you know, we buy our comics. Well, I buy my comics on Wednesday typically, sometimes on Thursday, and um, I kind of, I, I've tried to read them all to discuss them on Saturday mornings when we record the podcast. Right. Um, so, you know, that basically leaves me from Saturday through Wednesday without, I mean, reading, I mean, I have reading material. I could pick up a freaking book and read it, but yeah. you know, what's the fun in that? Exactly. So now I have a, an entire back run of an, an, I have an entire universe. This would be, I mean, this is essentially like getting the entire universe of Valiant comics in one box. And being able to follow it without the delays and all the crap that happened when it came out, you know, right. you get the entire storyline and, you know. So uh, let me ask you a question. You know, you're talking about your giant read pile. Do you have that, that comic box that's full of comics that you just haven't read yet? I do. I do. Okay. I mean, I, I mean, there's that box, of course, but, you know, next to the bed, I have a, a night, we, we have kind of a shelving unit around the bed. Uh-huh. And, um... I used to just kind of stack my comics there, and because I still have some stuff that I'm reading, like the Age of Apocalypse trades and things like that. And um, basically, my wife gave me a little basket <laughs> to put my comics in, so now I have a, a fancy comic basket. <laughs> <laughs> a fancy comic basket. It is. It's. I think it's leather and everything. It originally came with wine and cheese. <laughs> huh, very nice. Well, you know, I've got a long box in, in the closet inside my, my man cave. And, uh, yeah, it is full of books that, you know, I picked up on sale somewhere, you know, and it's just, I'll go in there and I'll grab out the ones I'm interested in reading right now. But I always feel bad that, you know, I'm out there buying new comic books every week. 
but you know, I've got this long box full of stuff that I just haven't gotten to read yet. I have a bunch of trades that I haven't read yet either. Yeah. And now I've got this, you know, now I've also got a long box worth and a couple of comics next to the bed. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll get to them all eventually. Never. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, that's, I guess that's what being a comic reader is all about. Cause I'm not buying them to collect them. Lord no. knows I'm not buying, I wouldn't buy freaking young blood. <laughs> to, uh, to collect it. Yeah. You know, I'm actually buying them because I want to read these crappy stories. So, but, and you know what? And when you have weeks like this week, it makes it hard to get that read pile down. No, yeah, absolutely. Because there, there were a lot of books out this week. There were. Uh, you know, last week was a $17 week for me. I wasn't <laughs> on the show last week, so I wasn't able to say, you know, it was a $17 week for me. And this week was like 43 Yeah. Yeah. So, a bit more. But, you know, there'll be one less comic to buy because uh, we heard shortly after we uh, interviewed Kieran Gillen that uh, Sword has been canceled. Yes, yes. And that's that, I, you know, he didn't. Well, I guess he, it was probably in the works when we spoke to him. Yeah. But uh, that is that is a shame. And uh, not only that, but um, Rick Remender, whose interview we posted on Wednesday, uh, you know, we talked to him about uh, Dr. Voodoo, which was originally planned as an ongoing will also end with issue number five. Yeah, that just breaks my heart. Both of those titles are excellent. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I really enjoy Kieran Gillen's writing on that book, and I have I have bagged on the art, uh, but the the writing really carries that book forward, and I it just breaks my heart. That was the book that got me to start reading X Men again. I've been reading Astonishing X Men uh, because I was picking up that book. And I was just like, crap, you know, what the hell? And then to learn that they canceled Brother uh, Dr. Voodoo, which every single one of us on the show who's read that book has loved. I, just, I, I don't know what the hell's going on over there. You know, I get the impression. I don't know about S.W.O.R.D. S.W.O.R.D. is probably due to say. In fact, it is due to sales. Kieran right. Gillen said as much. Um, but I get the impression Dr. Voodoo, I don't know if it was sales or if it's because they have other plans for Dr. Voodoo. Um, I yeah, think other he has plans a place that all in one of the Avengers series. Well, other plans that just came up because it was originally planned as an ongoing. I mean, so yeah. what happens is, you know, well, yeah, we're going to have this book and let's go ahead and plan a couple of story arcs. And, uh, yeah, we changed our mind. I mean, how does that happen over a course of five months? Yeah, uh, it, 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 it's kind of a bummer because I really do like Dr. Voodoo. And we're going to talk a little bit about, um, issue number four later on in the show. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it is a shame and, uh, I am sorry to see it go. And, you know, they weren't the only victims of things like that. Victims. Yeah. You know, <laughs> CSI, com comic scene unit. Um, Adventure Comics uh, yeah. is kind of a victim of the same type of thing. You know, Adventure Comics number six came out last week. And uh, we didn't talk about it on the show because I wasn't here. That's and right. So That's right. We wanted to hold it for Paul. Exactly. Um, any comic with a dinosaur on the cover, it's written in my contract. If a dinosaur's on the cover, you must wait until I'm on the show to discuss it. That's right. I mean, and Paul would not budge on that. His, yeah. I remember his attorney sitting on the other side of the table saying, I'm sorry, Mr. Aponte, by the way, he requires that we call him Mr. Aponte in meetings. Um, Mr. Aponte is adamant on this item. It is non-negotiable. Yeah, and, but you know what? I did negotiate on the Mr. Aponte. Originally, it was Captain Aponte. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, <it> was <laughs> my lord and captain, yeah. Mr. Aponte. But, you know, there, there, there was no official documentation to back up that, so, you know, yeah. we stuck with Mr. Because, you know, I mean, I've, I've got the necessary goods for Mr. <laughs> well, that's what we hear anyway. Yeah, the, the word on the street. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, Adventure Comics number six. Yes, which is the last of uh, Jeff Johns and Francis Manuel's run on the series, uh, which is very sad because uh, I think they were doing great things. And I had think it, it's obvious from this issue they had a lot more planned. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, this is their last book on the series. And what'd you think of it? I hated this book. Holy shit, really? Yeah, I really did. I, I disliked this book with everything I had. Wow. Um, uh, mainly, and, and Paul, I think it just goes to the way they kind of cut some things up and the way this, the story was told in advance of this book. Um, it felt very much like, uh, crap, let's hurry up and wrap this up. Even though, you know, they, they spent, you know, uh, they had that one story with, uh, uh, Prime, you know, that kind of broke up the flow of this mm -hmm. story. Um, I didn't like that. 
you knew from the get go that Luther was going to screw him over. You yeah. knew that that Luther was, you know, even though he was going to work this miracle, that he was going to take it away. I mean, you knew that from the first time he said he'd do it, you know, because you're never going to leave the book with a warm fuzzy about Lex Luthor. And that's what, that was one of the things that really bugged me about this book. And it seemed very rushed. It seemed like the story that they, um, derailed earlier on with the prime story had to get crammed into this book. The wrap up at the end of the book with, uh, uh, the former Young Justice Teen Titans just seemed tacked on. I was like, what the hell? All of a sudden they're in the woods with them. <laughs> you know? And then this little, you know, thing over here with, uh, you know, the big reveal at the end, the very last panel, very last page, you know, that that's the story that, that, you know, Jeff Johns is wanting to tell later on, you know, in, in the next story arc or something that we might not ever see. Yeah, exactly. I, I so I did. I, I really, really, really disliked this book. Now that said, I thought Francis Manupol's art was beautiful. I just really hated the story and I hated the way it was told. I, I, I will admit I enjoyed it. Um, but for different, but it's kind of funny. Um, but I had the same issues with it, but the, but they didn't make me hate the book. Mm-hmm. Um, it pisses me off that we had four months of slow, steady buildup. And it's like he took this one issue and said, you know what? I'm going to jam the next 12 issues of story into this one comic. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that's exactly what it felt like. It just felt like, you know, cram it in there with a shoehorn. You know, <laughs> let's do it. I mean, it was, it's a, it's a, it was a lot of story. But it, I just didn't care for the way it was. It was. It was uh, paced. Yeah, I mean, it really was. It was like imagine if the first two seasons of Babylon Five happened with this slow, steady buildup, and then someone came to J- Michael Straczynski and said, "Okay, we know you had three more years planned. You have two hours." Yeah, you know, it, it was like that kind of thing. Like just jam whatever you had left so, into one comic. So what you're saying is it was more like season four of Babylon Five. <laughs> 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 yeah, a, a little bit. And um you know, but the art the art is fantastic. Francis Manupol is great. I think this book was definitely more um maybe more uh I think its flaws come more in the fact that it was cut short before yeah. it was intended to be cut short. I think had it been given time to breathe, I think the story is great. I think the ideas are great. I think it wasn't given the time it needed to tell the story. Um and I think there was too much of a shift too late in too late in the story. You don't have four issues of literally just about nothing happening. Yeah. Uh, followed by one issue of jam-packed dinosaur, Thanagarian, not Thanagarian, you know, um, uh, whatever. Yeah, just wonderful. far out space adventure kinds yeah, of stuff. Just and- jam it all into one issue with, you know, you don't have a, a dinosaur on the cover and literally the dinosaur part of the issue is only two panels. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just kind of it just was such a rush. Yeah. Now um, I'm going to miss this book. You know, I really like uh, Connor Kent. I love that it's kind of about a superboy and his dog. You know, I, I, I really, I really dig that. I like some of the, you know, the Francis Manupol art really does match kind of a playful storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I enjoyed that. I, I like that it's adventure comics. I mean, you could almost throw pulp adventure comics across there because it's kind of like that two-fisted kind of fun, you know, swinging through the jungle kinds of stuff. I mean, I, I dug it. I just didn't care for, for the editorial choices that were made uh, in terms of, well, let's throw this prime blackest night story in here all of a sudden and derail what we've got going on. Yeah. And you know, you know it, it, it really is a shame because it really, this book had the potential to, to bring in a lot of new readers. It, yeah. this was really the comic book equivalent of Smallville. Yeah. But with, but feeding the comic, the, the needs of a comic fan too. Yeah. This felt like a TV show that you could enjoy and just, you know, enjoy, you know, get to use to the characters. You had, you had a great supporting cast, but you know, it just, you're right. It yeah. just kind of, you know, if every issue had been like this, I think this issue would have been a great issue. Yeah. But the problem is every issue was not like this. And then you had this issue that was such a jarring experience. Yeah. Um, 
that just kind of took you out of out of the run, and it really is a shame. And uh, I, I I hope it reads better collected than as a, a run. But unless there are some damn good bonus features, I probably won't pick up the collected edition just because I, it's a story that won't. That honestly, I don't know if it'll ever go anywhere. I would like yeah. to see them return to the title and finish off their storylines, but yeah, you know, I, I I'm right there with you. I don't see me picking this up and trade. Yeah. I, I just I don't see me enjoying enjoying the reread. I'd be curious though to see it all edited together without the prime story, with you know the prime story just being at the end of it or something, uh, and just see how it reads that way. But there, I did not enjoy it enough to want to go back and and spend any more time with it. Yeah, you know, well, and that 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 is really hard for me to say because again, I love Superboy. I love Connor Kent. I love Crypto. I mean, I just, I, I really dig the characters. Uh, I just, I did not care for the series. I mean, and everything about the premise is good. You know, the big bad of Lex Luthor and Brainiac. You know, mm-hmm. there, there's so much, there's so many good ideas. Um, it's, it's really just the execution that's at fault here. Agreed. Jeff Johns is also in charge of another big event going on through the DC universe. Oh, um, that, that other little event, you mean? Yeah, that other little thing. He's got an, he's got a little side project going on. <laughs> I don't know if it'll take off. Yeah. You know? Um, but oddly enough, um, I know there's a Jeff Johns book in this week, but, uh, four Blackest Night titles came out this week. Mm-hmm. Um, Starting with Green Lantern Corps number 44, which is, you know, obviously a, 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 a big piece of the storyline. Um, this is a follow-up to last issue where Guy Gardner thought that Kyle Rayner was dead, and so he went all ragey Red Lantern. Ooh, I should put on my Red Lantern ring for this conversation. Absolutely. Ooh, it's a little tight. Either I got fatter or they got smaller as the rings went on. I, um, I just think that, that your the your rage has diminished. Maybe you need to put on your hope ring. Maybe. Maybe I should wear both. Yeah, your hope and your rage. And they'll make me purple. I'll be a purple lantern. Um, okay, I've got my rage ring on right now. They'll call <laughs> us ring buddies. <laughs> uh, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> so what would you think of Green Lantern Corps number 44? I really like listening to funny books with Aaron and Polly because you can hear them wear jewelry. <laughs> um. I like the book. Um, I, I the the artwork continues to just be fantastic on this book. Um, I have one one thing I need to bag on Pete Tomasi about. All right, <laughs> it is a couple of pages in, and it's uh, you know the Black Lanterns have been chewing on uh, the uh, Green Lantern battery, and Kyle yells out to all the Green Lanterns, "Fire ring energy on my construct vector." I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that that kind of caught me off guard a little bit too. Fire ring energy on my construct vector. If I was another Green Lantern, I'd have said, "Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? What is it you need me to do?" Um, because uh, wow, I I was like, "What the hell does that mean?" <laughs> and I'd well, like and- to point out that it must not. That everybody else must not have understood because the lantern did fall. <laughs> you know, the battery <laughs> did fall. I, 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 I was the most ridiculous line I, I read in it. Comp- I mean, you know, here I am reading about guys on the far on the other side of the galaxy fighting zombies with their uh, magic energy rings, and this is the thing that pulls me out of the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a bigger qualm with the book than that one line. Though. Okay, um, I did enjoy it. It feels like. This part, this book, uh, this, there wasn't enough story to fill this book. Uh-huh. Uh, it felt to me. Um, it felt like, you know, they had a little bit more Mogo. Um, and, you know, some big events did happen in this book, like Mogo taking out the Black Lanterns. Um, but I, I, I think the, the Kyle Rayner as a Red Lantern ring, as a Red Lantern, or Red, yeah, Red Lantern, it, it probably could have also been resolved in the issue. I don't know. I felt kind of gypped that I have to read another book to get that part of the story. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. You mean Guy Gardner as a Red Lantern? That's what I said. You said Kyle Rayner. No, I didn't. I believe you did. No, there's no proof. It's not like we're recording this. (laughs) I believe the record will show. (laughs) You know, I I gotta say, though, uh, Guy Gardner as a Red Lantern looks pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I I think, you know, I'm sure he won't stay that way. In fact, this is one thing I do want to say. At this point in the program, 
Uh, DC has released its solicits, uh, its black or brightest day solicits, I think for uh, April, yeah. is it? Or April or May? Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, you can tell by the covers of the books who survives Blackest Night, um, which, spoiler warning, um, is everybody. So, <laughs> you, know, you, you see Kyle Rayner, you see Guy Gardner, you see Kilowog, you see everybody on the cover, you see right. the new Guardians, um, you know, the, the, the Power Ranger core um, that's in the, the main Blackest Night title. You know, everyone's still there. Uh, everyone's still alive. I guess there's no great sacrifice for many of those, for many of the main characters. Um, so it, it, I, I wish they had uh, done a little bit more classified on those covers yeah. and not revealed so much because, you know, I know Guy Gardner's going to make it out of this. I know Kyle Rayner's going to make it out of this. And those are characters, maybe not Kyle Rayner, since he already died and came back, so they're not going to really kill him this time. Um <laughs> But you know, it, it, it you know it. Guy Gardner is potentially a character who could be killed. Um, you know, it would be sucky for his fans, but he's not like you know he, he could die. I just yeah, yeah I, I I'm surprised that that they didn't use Blackest Night as an opportunity to kill off Guy Gardner or Kyle Rayner or uh, John Stewart. John John Stewart. Thank you. I kept one come John Connor, and I knew that that wouldn't right. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, I would have thought that one of the other Earth Lanterns would have bit it, you know, other than Hal. Um, but I, I, apparently that's not going to happen, which is fine. I mean, you don't have to kill characters every every, uh, every arc, but, uh, you know, be, particularly if you're just going to bring them back. But I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but knowing know. there's not a potential for death. Yeah. It, it does kind of take some of the, the drama out of it. Exactly. I mean, yeah. and that's why there are so many other characters, I guess. You've, you know, you've got the Adam, you've got Mira, but those are only like in the main Blackest Night book. You know, right. those aren't in Green Lantern or Green Lantern Corps, which focus on the, the Green Lantern. Um, and you know, those characters make it out of it. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it, it's, it's, I, I, it, that's more of a fault of uh, solicitation. And, uh, you know, I guess we've had a lot of issues with solicitation, like with the Buffy thing going on at Dark Horse Comics. Right. Uh, so I, I think hopefully there's enough, and I'm actually going to talk about solicitations here in a little bit when we get to our Batman update. So I don't want to harp too much about it yet. Uh, so maybe we should move on to Blackest Night, the Flash number two. Sure. Blackest Night, the Flash number two. I got to tell you, I love the art in this book. I did too. You know, and we talked to, well, I talked to Scott Collins. We talked to Scott Collins, just not on the show. It was a, right. a reading interview. So that's, uh, so if, if you like reading, read that <laughs> in interview. words. Yeah, in words instead of listening to, to voices. Yeah. Um, nonetheless, it's a good interview. We talked to him a lot about Solomon Grundy because this was right around the time Solomon Grundy uh, was nearing its end. Uh, so we didn't talk too much about this book. Just a you know a little bit of a couple of hints. I loved this issue. Yeah, it was really nice. Um, you know, Scott Collins' art is great. It, it's perfectly suited for this story. I think it, it's it's not. And what's funny is it's not the best art in the world, but it's so high energy. And it's, well, and I just know. thought it worked well for the type of story. You know, it was just one of those situations where the, the story and the art was just well matched for each other. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I loved this book and I, I think the, and you know, what's funny is, you know, we, we bag on all these blackest night times cause they're essentially the same story. Mm -hmm. This one's not, no, it's not. And, and that's probably the reason why I enjoyed it so much is that, you know, it was a little fresh. Yeah, you know, with and, all the dead people. Oh, you know, and it's because it's Jeff Johns, I think, you know, that, yeah. you know, he's writing the main book. So this is not only different from all the other tie-ins, which are essentially the same story, but this actually feeds into what's going on in the main book. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I was actually surprised on how much of that main story showed up here in this book. Like, for instance, uh, the firestorm scene. Yeah. You know, I was like, wow, I would have thought this was going to happen in the, the main Blackest Night book. I would not have expected it to happen in, in The Flash. Yeah. Know? But I guess since Jeff Johns is writing both of them, you know, he, he can coordinate that. Yeah. So you this, know? you know, it, it's because, you know, they, they've been saying that Green Lantern Corps, Green Lantern are vital titles. I would venture to say anything by Pete Tomasi and Jeff Johns is probably vital to it. Yeah. Because a, a lot of stuff happens in this book that is important to that main storyline. Um 
like like you mentioned the firestorm thing. That's a big scene because it was yeah. a big scene in the in the first book that this resolves. Yeah. Uh, and then there's you know the a, a little bit more on the Wally West and um, Impulse Kid Flash type stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this book. Yeah, it was good. It was good. So I, I would re- if you're reading Blackest Night, I would say read this book. Yeah. Totally agree. Now, you read a, a Blackest Night book I did not read this week, which is Phantom Stranger number 42. Yes, I did. Um, I read Blackest Night, The Phantom Stranger, number 42. I never read The Phantom Stranger when it was out. Um, I don't know much about The Phantom Stranger, to be honest with you. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I know he makes appearances every now and then. And visually, I think he's a very interesting character, but I don't know much about him. Right. Um, now, did I get much about from him in this book? No. Um now, and, and unfortunately, the reason, the one thing, uh, I don't like about these resurrected dead titles, and, you know, you're going to talk about Starman, which was maybe better than this. Um, mm-hmm. it didn't feel like it was, you know, wrapping up loose threads, uh, from a previous issue of the, you know, from the previous run of the series. It, it literally is like a Blackest Night tie in book, which I get. I get that's the point of it. Um, but you know when when you if you're trying to appease fans of those series by creating an extra issue mm-hmm. um it seems to me like it would be better if it actually had something to do with the previous run yeah uh, and i don't again i didn't read phantom stranger maybe this does but it it didn't feel that way to me it felt entirely like a black night tie in really um and that's not a horrible thing uh it just that's what it felt like now um a couple of things I want to say about it is that Zaytana is on the cover. Mm-hmm. She's not inside the book. Oh, really? So don't go, don't go buy in Phantom Stranger looking for your fishnet fix. Oh, she is man. not in the book at all. Bait now, well, and switch. Indeed, indeed. Not the first <laughs> one this week, um, which I'm going to get to. And I'm building up in anticipation for it because it pissed me off so bad. We'll, we'll get to um, prepare for the Aponte rant for the Apontalypse. <laughs> the Apontalypse. I like it. <laughs> um, but show show title, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this book is actually, it's written by Pete Tomasi with art by Ardian, uh, Saif, who did the art for the blackest night Batman series. I liked this book. I think it's kind of an important book um, to the series because it resolves a lot of some of the storylines that are happening in the main Blackest Night title, such as the Dead Man storyline mm-hmm. is resolved in this in the pages of this book. And you know, Dead Man has been a, a key piece of the storyline thus far. Um, his story is resolved in this issue, um, and there's more on the Blackest Night Spectre. Uh, in fact, I would venture to say there's almost a resolution a bit to the Blackest Night Spectre storyline. Oh, yeah. So, uh, or the Black Lantern Spectre. So, it, this is, I think, an important piece of the story. Uh, I, I'm very interested to see Blackest Night number, is it seven that's coming up or six? I think it's six. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very, well, what was the one that came out the week before Christmas? Uh, or the week, what, af- the that, week after that, Christmas? I think that was six. So, it must be seven that's coming up. So Blackest Night number seven, I'm very interested to see if any of this stuff, um, like what was in Blackest Night Flash mm-hmm. and what's in The Phantom Stranger, is going to pop up in Blackest Night number seven. Yeah. Or if it re- or if this these really are the places where you need to go to get the resolutions of some of those side storylines. Um, but overall, uh, a good read. Um, uh, as a fan of The Phantom Stranger, I couldn't tell you uh, if, if you like it. But um, as someone who wasn't too familiar with this character, but, you know liked the storylines that it tied into during of the Blackest Night saga, I, I did enjoy it. So I, I'd actually recommend if you're enjoying Blackest Night, the series, to probably pick this up because it does feel like an important component of it. Groovy. Yeah. Well, I read uh, Blackest Night Starman number 81. You know, the Starman series ended with issue 80, uh, written by James Robinson. And this brings back James Robinson to write uh, – uh, a Starman book, which, you know, all of us Starman groupies have been on about for a long, long time. I have to, I have to, you know, admit, I absolutely love Starman. I think this is one of the uh, finest things to have happened to comics uh, in the last 20 years. Uh, and this book was terrific. Uh, Starman 81 was, was outstanding. Now, the star, the original Starman series, uh, was about Jack Knight, the Starman. 
And, um, this did not feature Jack Knight in it. Um, this featured, uh, the setting was his hometown, Opal City, where he no longer lives and the, the supporting characters that were around him. Cause Jack moved out of, uh, of, uh, Opal City at the end of his series. Um, the star man that appears is Jack Knight's older brother who died, uh, uh, at the very beginning of the Starman series. So he's the Black Lantern in the book. And the uh, the person who fights against him is the Shade. And the Shade is originally a JSA villain, you know, from way back when. Mm-hmm. And he has kind of rehabilitated over the years. And, you know, arguably he's one of the most powerful characters in the DC universe. He just doesn't want to go out there and rule the world or anything. He's really happy to stay home in his beloved Opal City. This book was fantastic. Really? Um, it, it has a Tony Harris cover, and Tony Harris used to do the covers for the Starman series. Um, the interior art was done by Bill Sienkiewicz, and I usually don't like Bill Sienkiewicz. Um, but the, the artwork inside the book was, was beautiful. It was moody and gloomy, just, just like you would expect for, you know, a book about, you know, zombie supervillains. Uh, extraordinarily nostalgic, which, you know, kind of is what Starman's all about, you know. Um, Jack Knight becoming Starman back in the original series was kind of about, you know, valuing all of the golden age heroes uh, from way back when and carrying that tradition forward. And this book, you know, really did grab into that. But it also what I liked about it beyond just being nostalgic is that it moved the story forward because we got to see, okay, well, what's the shade been up to since the end of that series? Well, uh, he's hooked up with another character, another supporting cast character. And so their story is moving forward. It's not just, you know, let's look and let's, let's just rekindle this thing that we liked from several years ago. Let's move that story. And then something else that's got me really excited is I've seen James Robinson make several comments uh since finishing this book that he had he had forgotten how much fun he had writing these opal city characters and wants to write more and i'm like hot damn <laughs> let's do that like give me a shade book if you're not going to give me a starman book because that's a, that's a book i'd read i i really 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 wait one more really enjoyed this book <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that comes across or not, but I I totally dug this book. Great. Glad to hear it. Yeah. So, I think that's all of our uh, Blackest Night stuff this week. I think it is. And since Blackest Night is not enough to spend your money on, (laughs) there are multiple crossovers going on um, over on the Marvel side of camp, Marvel side of things. Uh Uh, The biggest one, of course, right now being Siege. Siege. Siege number one started two weeks ago, um, or Siege number one came out two weeks ago, and uh, I think the first major Siege-related tie-in issues came out this week. Um, in Dark Avengers number 13 and Dark Wolverine number 82, um, and loosely in Mighty Avengers number 33. Uh, Dark Avengers number 13 uh, has Siege on the cover. I will venture to say... The book literally has nothing to do with Siege. Um, so if you're looking for CG goodness, if you are looking forward to seeing Asgardians fighting Norman Osborn's Dark Avengers, you're not going to get it here. In fact, you won't even get your Dark Avengers in here. Um, this is pretty much 100% a Sentry issue. Um Focusing on the true origins of Sentry, um, a little bit more explanation on what he is and what the Void is. Um, I do not like the character of the Sentry. We've talked about this before, how much we hate the Sentry as a character. I did actually enjoy Dark Avengers number 13. Really? I think Bendis did some really interesting things, set up some really interesting notions as to the true nature of the Sentry. Um, and what his powers truly stem from, and what the Void really is. I think there's some good ideas in here. Um, Mike Diodato's art is actually really good. I wish he didn't draw Norman Osborn as Tommy Lee Jones, because that's pissed me off <laughs> since the first issue. Yeah. I think there are some good ideas here. Again, even as not a Century fan, uh, I did enjoy this take on his character. Um, I'm very curious to see where it goes. Uh, but again, 
very, very loosely related to Siege, despite the fact that Siege is on the cover. I also read Dark Wolverine, number 82. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I talked on the site about how I read the first storyline of Dark Wolverine called The Prince, uh, written by Daniel Way, uh, Marjorie Liu, um, with art by Giuseppe Camuncoli. Yeah. And um, I loved, loved that first arc. Um, so, but I missed out on the second arc. I think it hasn't been collected in trade yet, so I'm kind of waiting on the trade. But in my efforts to pick up some Siege-related titles, I did pick up this issue. Um, and it didn't feel like I missed anything. This doesn't feel like... Uh, I, I, th- there was, I think, a couple of issues in between there. And I don't know what that storyline was, but this doesn't reference it. Um, this doesn't really call back to anything. So I think this is, you know, you could actually pick up this issue. And as long as you know who Dokken is, you'll be fine. Great Great, great issue. This is fantastic. This is Dokken. This is the reason I liked the the first couple of issues on the book. Dokken is a very manipulative character. Um, he's really kind of a scumbag. And you don't see that in the other books. In the other books, you pretty much just see him punching things. Um, and here you get a true take on his character and how manipulative he is. And uh, he, he is a... He is a. It, it, it's great, you know. He he flirts with men and women. He is he is very you know manipulative, which I, I know I've said before, but that's that's entirely what the book is about: him manipulating characters to do what he wants. Um, do, do you think he just needs a hug? He he, he might he might. Um, for an example of what uh, Dokken, the character of Dokken is, he sees a soldier uh, throwing up because he's nervous. Um, about going out to storm Asgard. So this is a direct siege tie-in. Um, and so Dokken starts, like, seducing him, saying, will you do anything I want if I get you out of the battlefield? And the guy says, yes, I'll do whatever you want. And uh, basically Dokken says, well, just lie still. And then he beats the hell out of the guy, um, basically injuring him so that he can't go out into the field. Hmm. <laughs> so nice. I mean, there, there's lots of great dark humorous moments like that, and the ending of the book is shocking. Um, and I'm going to spoil it here, just because it's obvious it's a dream sequence. Um, the, in the uh, in the ending of this book, uh, you see Dawkins' true motivations. And um, if anyone knows Dawkins, he has two claws on the top of his ri- on the top of his hand. And one claw that pops out of the bottom of his wrist. Mm-hmm. That's where his third claw is. And basically, he takes that claw and jams it into Norman Osborne's face. They don't say it's a dream sequence, but I'm pretty sure that's not how Siege is going to wrap up, seeing as how there's still three issues left. But, you know, Dokken, you know, despite being part of Norman Osborne's Avengers, I think he's more out for himself, and he has done some good things. He has worked with heroes. Um, so I like the, the anti-hero nature of his character. And I like not knowing what he's going to do next. And I, I would highly recommend Dark Wolverine number 82. But my book of the week. Book of the week. Dun, dun, dun. Is Mighty Avengers number 33. I have to say, I really, I almost picked that book up. I, yeah. I really, I was grooving to the cover of that book. You know, I, I, I just, I was like, uh, no. <laughs> now, this is the second of a two-part storyline, which is basically Norman Osborn, which is Dark Avengers versus Mighty Avengers for control of a cosmic cube, battling a giant absorbing man. I, I talked again on the site about how I didn't like Mighty Avengers at first. I, in fact, I talk about it on the show. And uh, as the run went on, I learned to love this book. I, th- th- Dan Slott's Mighty Avengers is the type of Avengers book that we all kind of want to read right now. Um, and yes, New Avengers is great. Dark Avengers has been uneven, but you know has had some shining moments. Mighty Avengers is by far the best, um, despite having the worst team. You know, you've got Hank Pym on there, Jocasta, The Vision, Hercules and Amadeus Cho, Quicksilver, U.S. Agent, and uh, you've actually got, what's your face, Stature from the... The Young Avengers. This book is not only action-packed, it's great superhero action, it's hilarious, there are some great humorous bits in here, um, and, you know, it. this is the book that shows how smart Hank Pym really is, um, as he is basically the only one who has figured out at this point that Loki is behind 
all of this siege madness. So it, 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 he, he basically has figured out the science of magic in this book. Um, and just as Dr. Voodoo is Earth's Sorcerer Supreme, Hank Pym has also been declared um, by, what's the big starry being in the Marvel e- Universe? Eternity. Is it Eternity? Yeah. Okay. He has been declared by Eternity to be Earth's Scientist Supreme um, during the run of this book. Highly, highly recommended this book. Um, even more so than Dark Wolverine. Again, this is my book of the week. If you're going to pick up this book, pick up Mighty Avengers number 32 first. Um, it is only a two-part storyline. Uh, you'll find plenty to love in the, in this two-part series. Again, I, I think it's great. I'm not going to ruin uh, the way Hank Pym gets one up on Norman Osborn because it's absolutely perfect. Well, uh, I, you know, I think I'm going to go back and pick it up because, like I said, I really I, – I, I, I was torn. You know, I, I'm – I'm just kind of getting back into some of the Marvel titles with the Siege event. And so I've been picking up New Avengers, and I've got Avengers Initiative, and I'm picking up the Siege books and blah, blah, blah. And I looked at that, and I'm like, oh, man, it, I, I want this, but it looks like it's in a bigger story. But you said it's just part two of a two-part story. Yeah, I mean, of so course, I, it helps you have read everything up to this point. But yeah. really, you can gather what's going on just by reading 32 and 33, which is the two-part Cosmic Cube storyline. Well, I, you know, while we're talking about Siege, I, I want to draw your attention to something. I don't know if you've seen it over on the Marvel site, but it's a book that's coming out next week, and it's called Siege, Storming Asgard, Heroes and Villains. Are you yes. familiar with this? Mm-hmm. It is essentially just, um, you know how Marvel puts out those books that are basically just prose descriptions of the characters? Okay, so that's what that is. Yeah, it, okay. it's basically just getting to know the characters, like a, like a who's who type thing. Okay. All right, well, I saw that, and that's what it sounded like to me, but I just wanted to make sure, because uh, I won't be putting it in my pull list then. <laughs> <laughs> but that uh, cover is awfully sweet. Yeah, it, oh, it and, is. And, and we don't have a Thor book this week, but it does kind of tie into Siege. Have you seen that 10-foot-long Marvel Comics poster yes. that Olivier uh, Copiel did? Yes. I, I think I want it. I, I don't know. You know what? I, I'm, you know, I, I don't hang posters in my in my man cave, but... Uh, I'm looking at that going, well, I might have to have that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I have a wall that is 10 feet unbroken. Yeah. Any place yeah, in my I'm, house. That's what I'm trying to figure out is, is do I have 10 feet worth of wall to hang that thing? But it is stunning. And, you know, it's, it's done on a, uh, uh, I think they said vinyl I'm trying to find it right here. Uh, but I, I looked at that and I was like, I, I'm going to have to have that. I got to get me some of that Copiel uh, poster art because, wow, that looks like eight times awesome. Yeah, it's uh, at nearly 10 feet long. This Thor poster is printed on special vinyl. So, on you know, vinyl. It's not- so it's not just like a, a crappy piece of yeah. paper you're hanging on the wall with scotch tape or thumbtacks. Yeah, exactly. It's like a banner, essentially. And it is just beautiful. I, I, I'm, I, I've got to have that. And it's only 30 bucks. Go for it. I, I, you know, I'm going to find out. I don't know if this is being sold at my comic seller, but Mr. Head will be having the big giant Thor Olivier Copiel poster because uh, it must be mine. It must be. <laughs> and let me go ahead and put on my orange lantern ring r- real quick. There you go. <laughs> well, speaking of stunning, our viewers will be stunned. Stunned. Uh, we really don't have any viewers as much as we have listeners. Our listeners will be <laughs> stunned <laughs> to find out that we have a Fall of the Hulks update. Fall of the Hulks! <laughs> Even without Jonathan on the call, we have a freaking Fall of the Hulks update. A freaking um, Fall freaking, of the Hulks. <laughs> freaking Fall of the Hulks. Freaking Fall of the freaking Hulks. That's right. Um, update, because two Fall of the Hulks books came out this week. And we spoke to Jeff Parker earlier this week, the writer of Agents of Atlas and writer of many Follow the Hulks books. And that interview, I think, we'll be posting early to mid-February. Uh, so we talked about a little bit of, about Follow the Hulks, and so I decided, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot. Uh, I've liked some of the stuff that I've read so far, the Follow the Hulks Gamma and the Follow the Hulks Alpha, I think. I like the Ed McGinnis preview art in the for Hulk number 19, which featured Red Hulk versus The Thing. And so this week, Hulk number 19 and Incredible Hulk number 606 came out. Um, Hulk number 19 by Jeff Loeb and Ed McGinnis. Incredible Hulk 606 by Greg Pak and Paul Pelletier. Both of these books were great. Really? I am shocked, appalled, and ashamed to admit that both of these books were great. And I'm shocked and appalled and pissed off 
<laughs> because I was hoping they would suck so I wouldn't have to want to buy this. Um, but I really enjoyed both of these books. Um, both of them tie heavily into the fact that the intelligentsia was introduced in Fall of the Hulk's Gamma, I think, mm-hmm. um, which was also uh, featuring art by Paul Pelletier but was written by Jeff Parker, um, is basically taking out the smartest people in the world. Um, and it's basically Bruce Banner and Red Hulk trying to keep that from happening, um, as well as dealing with Scar, uh, who's the son of Bruce Banner slash the Hulk, uh, who was born during the whole World War Hulk saga. Um, or not World War Hulk, uh, Planet Hulk. Um, so the fir- in Hulk number 19, which is basically the Intelligentsia storming Banner, the Banner Baxter building. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Red Hulk and Bruce Banner trying to save the Fantastic Four from them, uh, features Ed McGinnis art, which is great stuff. Um, now I will say it's not as good as his normal stuff. And I think that's because he has a different inker. Right. His art did seem a little different in this. And usually he inks, his inker is Dexter Vines. In this issue, it's Mark Farmer. So it has a little bit of a different flair than I'm used to seeing from him. Uh, but I did enjoy the book very much. Um, there's this uneasy alliance between Banner and um, Red Hulk that you can tell something's big is going to happen there, and I'm actually interested in seeing where it goes. Cool. Um, and Incredible Hulk number 606 is shortened, a cliff note version, is Bruce Banner versus Doctor Doom. And uh, you, you get to see exactly why Bruce Banner is more dangerous not being the Hulk. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, it, it is. It is really great. Um, the way they're writing Bruce Banner now, he is not only, uh, in, you know, in the intelligent Bruce Banner we know he could be, but he's extremely manipulative. Um, he knows no, what Bruce. he's doing. Not Bruce. Betty was, wouldn't approve. Yeah, Betty would not approve. <laughs> and Betty is alive, uh, but I don't know where she is at right now. But I did enjoy both of these books. If you're not interested in picking up the Hulk saga right now, um, it is a lot of books to kind of pick up. There's a lot of tie-ins. I think there's a mini-series. Um, in fact, Fall of the Hulks itself, there's a checklist in the back here, is 1, 2, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 books. And that leads into World War Hulks, which is not only a six-issue miniseries, but probably a couple of other tie-ins. Um, and a couple of other miniseries. So you may want to wait till the trade because it's a lot more books. And if you're already picking up a Blackest Night and a Siege and blah, 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 it's probably a lot to pick up right now. Well, and I, you know, I, and I think that's the big challenge right now because, you know, you think about all the different events that are going on in comics right now. Blackest Night, Siege are the two, you know, gigantic ones. And then you've got Follow the Hulks. You've got the Realm of Kings storyline. Um, if you're, if you're a, an image comics reader, I'm not. Uh, you know, you've got the Image United. I mean, that's a lot of books to be picking up. Yeah. Well, not only that, you know? in the coming months, we're also looking at Doom War. Yeah. And if you're a Deadpool fan, the Deadpool Core storyline yeah. is coming up, which is a couple of different books. Um, you know, th- there is a lot of stuff coming out. Uh, and maybe, you know, usually some of this stuff is reserved for the summer. Uh, so I'm hoping that means we'll get maybe less crossovers during the summer. I don't know. Yeah. Uh Probably not, because, I mean, after Blackest <laughs> Night is Brightest Day. Right. Uh, which, again, is... And and all a bunch of other stuff, too. I mean, you know, there's all all kinds of crap that's coming, so... Exactly, because after Siege is the Heroic Age, and, yep. you know, there, there's, there's kind of a lot to buy right now. And, you know, the great thing is that a lot of it, even this Fall of the Hulks, which surprised me, is good. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it is a bit overwhelming. You know, if you're going to wait for the trade, I would recommend picking up Follow the Hulks then. Uh, but it is a good book. I, I bagged on uh, Follow the Hulks pretty hard. Of course, I didn't read it. <laughs> 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 and, you know, I'll say, it, it, you know, based on, on some of the things that you and Jonathan have both said, it, it does sound like maybe maybe it's actually worth reading. You know, I, I may pick up a, a book or two if there's a slow week for me to catch up on some of the main titles. But damn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would com- it would have been a whole lot easier to not to, to for it to be bad and just say I don't have to buy that. Yeah, I agree. But, but you know, I, I I hear people say all the time that you know they're not reading comics because comics aren't fresh, comics aren't new, comics aren't exciting. And I gotta tell you, I think there's some of the best writing going on in comics right now than there has ever been. I agree. You know? I mean, I think we can we can all wax nostalgic for golden and silver age comics, but the readability of those doesn't stand up 
in a lot of circumstances. I mean, the ideas are great. And, and the, the way they make us feel about, uh, how we felt when we were a kid, when we read those is great, but you know, just on its own merits, a lot of that stuff doesn't, doesn't stand up. And I think what we're reading now, what, what we're, what we're talking about on the shows, what's coming out from Marvel and DC are things that, that really will kind of stand up. You know, I, 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 they are big time stories written by true talents, written by, by, by folks who know how to tell a story. And I, I'm just really impressed at the wealth of uh, comic stories that are out there right now. I mean, there, there is something out there for everybody. If you can't find a comic that you want to read, you're not looking hard enough. Yeah, I, I would agree. You know, uh, I think many of the storylines that we're reading right now, including books like uh, Dark Wolverine, which I mentioned to you, I, I don't think this stuff could have existed 10 years ago. Right. It, it, you know, it, it is very modern. It's very now, and it's very well written. Um, you know, we don't have days where the days where comic characters would describe to you what they're doing. Like, well, maybe if I punch him in the exact spot where I need to punch him, and they say things like that out loud. No, right. I mean, you 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 get so so much better storytelling nowadays. Yeah. Um, you know, and on that same note, quickly becoming one of my favorite writers right now is Rick Remender. Um, you know, I loved The Last Days of American Crime, which I talked to him about uh, on our interview with him, um, which is on the site or uh, on iTunes, um, uh, ideologyofmadness.com or keyword ideology of madness. Uh, we also talked a little bit about Dr. Voodoo, which we mentioned earlier in the show. And Dr. Voodoo, Avenger of the Supernatural number four came out today. Uh, what'd you think? I really liked Dr. Voodoo. Um, I, 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 I'm getting a kick out of, uh, uh, how closely it's tying in Dr. Doom to this storyline. You know, I, I like when we talk about Dr. Doom in terms of, uh, being a, a magic user. Yes. Um, you know, cause we're, we're so used to seeing him do sciencey kinds of stuff in the pages of Fantastic Four. But, uh, I, 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 I get a kick out of seeing his, you know, use of the dark arts. Um, I liked that we got to see a little bit more about his brother and, you know, the curse that, that, uh, has been put on, upon, uh, Jericho. And I liked, I, I won't ruin it for anybody. I liked how they kind of explain, uh, Jericho's connection to that curse. Yes. You know, I, I, I dug that for a story that involved Nightmare, a character that I really can't stand. I dug this quite a bit. Yeah. And, you I, know, I, I actually like, liked Nightmare in this book. Um, yeah, the, the he, scenes, he didn't. He didn't make me want to throw the book across the room, which is what he normally does. And I'm going to try and, to pronounce this right: the the Onfour, um, Nightmares Realm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know where it shows how this impacts the rest of the Marvel universe. Yeah, the, hilarious. Yeah, the, I, I, I love fantastic it. stuff. Well, and I'm sitting there I'm like, well, uh, is that Captain America? <laughs> you know, and he's he's got uh, you know swastikas on his uniform and you know his shield is cracked and crumbled you've got you know uh frank castle surrounded by his family going daddy why did you kill us daddy <laughs> yeah hulk being yelled at by his father holding a teddy bear it reminds me a bit of infinity gauntlet because it's a book that ties into a lot of stuff that's going on in the marvel universe you get a, you get a lot of guest appearances from characters throughout the marvel universe ghost rider um iliana from uh X-Men, The Hood, Blade, uh, Hellstorm. You get all these characters. And, you know, plus we mentioned Captain America. Spider-Man pops in. Cyclops. And a funny scene with Cyclops. A funny little oh, yeah. image with Cyclops. Yeah. Um, you know, just like Infinity Gauntlet, you know, the, you kind of had that one issue where all the heroes died. Um, it, it kind of, I don't know, this issue kind of reminded me of that. It's a mm-hmm. fun story. Um, which, while yes, being entirely a Doctor Voodoo story, does kind of show uh, what the other heroes are doing at this time, yeah. and uh, I-, I enjoyed it. I, I actually yeah. did enjoy this book a lot, and it just makes me all the more sad that this book's been canceled. Yeah, you know, that is I a shame. Just, I, 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 it really is a shame. This book was really good, and I, I just breaks my heart. Breaks my heart. I'm with you. So. I've been hinting at my anger with solicitations and false advertising this week. And um, they're (laughs) primarily because of Batman Streets of Gotham number eight. Um, Originally solicited as a Paul Dini written book with art by Dustin Wen um, and featuring uh, the further 
stories uh, of the Zaz storyline, the Mr. Zaz storyline that I mentioned, the Children's Fight Club storyline. Yeah. Oh, Children's Fight Club. Children's Fight Club. Who uh, doesn't want to kick the shit out of a seven-year-old? <laughs> <laughs> if you look at DC's website right now, that is what Batman Streets of Gotham number eight is. Mm-hmm. If you buy Batman Streets of Gotham number eight, that is not what the book is. Um, it is written by Mike Benson, who actually wrote m- some Moon Knight books for Marvel. The art is by Dustin Wen, um, but Batman Streets of Gotham number eight and I'm guessing number nine are uh, like a, I guess like a filler tale. Uh, I guess they, you know, I-, I think this is a catalog tale. They had just kind of sitting in the back for emergency situations. I think. If you read the book, it's very obviously originally written as a Bruce Wayne storyline. Um, mm-hmm. I think some tweaks were made to make the character Dick Grayson instead of Bruce Wayne. Um, but this is very obviously a, a filler storyline that they just kind of pulled out of storage somewhere. And I don't know what happened with the Paul Dini storyline. Um, maybe there were some controversial elements because of the Children's Fight Club. Maybe uh, I, I, the impression I've gotten is that it's been delayed till issue 10 before it'll resolve, but before oh, really? it'll come back. Um, but uh, that is not official word. There is no official word on it, um, which is really frustrating because, you know, the artist is the same. The cover yeah. artist is the same. It still has the same second feature. Um, and nowhere were we warned that this issue is not what the issue is supposed to be. Um, so despite it being actually a pretty good issue, I'm pissed off that it's not what I wanted. Uh, I'm pissed off that we just had two issues of filler um, with the man bat versus hunter storyline. And uh, we're going to get another two issues of filler and um, without any official word from DC on it. So well, very that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And at least I'll tell you what's going on. Yeah, exactly. You know, they have a freaking DCU blog. Yeah. Um, all they all, all they need to do is go out there and say, you know, some elements of the story were a bit too much. We thought we'd, you know, revise them a little bit. I think fans deserve that. Um, yeah, I agree. You know, for 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 a storyline that, you know, it, it just would be nice to to be informed. Hey, the book you're buying is not the book we're telling you you're buying. Yeah. Yeah, it's not the book we advertised. Yeah. Fate and switch. <laughs> Speaking of books, um, that was a bad transition. <laughs> Speaking of, of things with words and pictures. <laughs> but, you know, as if you're not buying enough um, in your local comic book store every week, we're going to throw more comic books your way because we've got two great contests going on right now. That's um, right. On ideologyofmadness.com. That's right. Uh, we have extended the contest for the ICBW or Indie Comic Book Week Sampler Contest. Um, we've extended that to run through Friday. You know, look at the calendar real quick. I think it's Friday the 29th. Is that right? Yes. Friday, January 29th will be the end of that contest. I uh, wanted to give you guys an opportunity to see more what's in there. So all this week you'll see uh, a little bit closer detail of all the different books that are in there and kind of highlight uh, all this indie crunchy goodness that's out there for you. So all you got to do to enter that contest is just uh, comment on the uh, contest article and tell us what indie book you're looking forward to or what indie book you'd like to see. And uh, just you know, put that in there, and the uh, contest will end on Friday. But, uh, Paul, we also have another contest. Yes, we're also giving away um, the first trade paperback of DC Vertigo's The Unwritten, um, written by Mike Carey. Uh, the Unwritten, written by Mike Carey. It is one of my favorite new titles of the year. Many critics have listed it amongst their favorite books of the year. It is absolutely fantastic. Um, the story is about a, a very real... Um, it, 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 imagine, her, imagine that Harry Potter was based on J.K. Rowling's son, whose name happened to be Harry. Um, and J.K. Rowling's son grew up to be this Paris Hilton-like celebrity um, that basically took advantage of his celebrity um, in, in because his, he, you know, there's a com- there's a you know a huge character named after him, a huge literary character named after him, and that's what you get here. Um, Tommy Taylor, um, who's the real son of the author of a book uh, series based on Tommy Taylor, who is a boy magician. Um, he's a grown up now, and he's trying to get out of the image of the Tommy Taylor books. Um, but he's also framed for murder. Um, and he's beginning to realize that certain elements that his father wrote about in the Tommy Taylor books um, may not actually be fictional. 
Uh, it is a great, great storyline. Lots of suspense. Uh, it, it, it's really intelligently written. You're going to find out a ton about classical literature that you may not have even known. Uh, it's fully, you know, really well researched. And we're giving away the first trade paperback of it on ideologyofmadness.com. And all you have to do is tell us about your favorite childhood novel. Um, you know, we've gotten a couple of entries so far. Mine was The Book of Three, um, which is the, 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 original uh, Chronicles of Priden, Priden uh, novel, uh, that the sequel was The Black Cauldron. Uh, we've also had a couple of entries mentioned, just different fantasy novels that you loved as a kid. Um, so that's all you have to do, is tell us what your favorite fantasy novel was as a kid, and we have three copies we're giving away. Um, winners will be wow. selected at random. Ideologyofmadness.com. On Saturday, January 30th, I will be with, get this, our video crew what? at the Dallas Comic Con and uh, I'll be grabbing sound for the podcast, and we will also be loading uh, video excerpts to our Ideology of Madness channel on YouTube. Wow. And the Dallas Comic-Con, if you're not familiar with it, is will be at the Richardson Civic Center in beautiful scenic Richardson, Texas. Uh, the Saturday hours are 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. And let me just give you a slice of some of the talent that's going to be there, other than, you know, myself. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Sale. Adam Hughes. Michael Golden, Mark Brooks, Terry Moore, Jim Mafood, Matt Sturgis, but a ton, a ton of folks uh, are going to be at this at this event, and uh, we'll be interviewing folks, and like I said, having a video up on on the both uh, YouTube and on our blog. Fantastic. So, yeah. so you know, check out all week. Obviously, there's a ton of stuff coming out this week on ideologyofmanus.com. And uh, this Wednesday is our interview, I think, with Jonathan Hickman. Um, this Wednesday or Thursday uh, will be our interview with Jonathan Hickman, writer of uh, Marvel's Secret Warriors and upcoming S.H.I.E.L.D. project. Most excellent. Fantastic. Very so good. Check us out, ideologyofmadness.com, and thanks for listening. Outstanding, guys. Thanks a bunch. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. on my construct vector.